Back in the 60s, the heroes of espionage films were always secret agents. Preferably the variety that wears a tuxedo and sips expensive drinks on various luxurious locations around the world. There were exceptions, of course. More gritty agents like Richard Burton's weary double agent Alex Limas in the film adaption of John Le Carré's The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. What the hell do you think spies are? Moral philosophers measuring everything they do against the word of God or Karl Marx? They're not. They're just a bunch of seedy, squalid bastards like me. Or Michael Caine's cynical cockney guy Harry Palmer. I'll tell them that you talk well and lie badly. But they were all agents trained to kill and used to being out on the field. But an espionage story doesn't need to feature an agent as its hero. In 1984, the American author Tom Clancy released his first novel, a novel set in the midst of the Cold War and featuring a rather unlikely hero, the CIA analyst Jack Ryan. A man who prefers to work behind his desk, but is forced out on the field and soon finds himself in the middle of an international crisis. The novel was called The Hunt for Red October, and, as they say, the rest is history. Tom Clancy died in 2013, but that didn't stop new books from arriving. Other authors kept them coming, and so far there are over 20 Jack Ryan novels out there. The first Jack Ryan film was based on that very first novel, The Hunt for Red October, with Alec Baldwin as Ryan. Welcome to the new world, sir. And that old Scottish grisly bear Sean Connery as a Russian atomic sub-captain. A great day, comrades. We sail into history. And yes, I have to use that same phrase again. The rest is history. New films arrived with a string of different actors playing Ryan, And in August 2018, Amazon released a TV series about Jack Ryan, this time played by John Krasinski. I can't go to Yemen. I'm an analyst. I don't interrogate people. I write reports. They have so far done two seasons, and the third season is streaming now. Jack Ryan is a fugitive from justice. Is the ground team ready? Waiting on your order, sir. Jack, I'm telling you this as your friend. And just like in season 1 and 2, Goodbye Kansas Studios has delivered some VFX for it. So follow me down the yellow brick road as we retrace the film history of Jack Ryan and how some of the VFX shots for the TV series were made. I'm Nils Lagerin and this is Yellow Brick Road, the friendly little podcast about movies, games and visual effects. And yes, today we're going to talk about Jack Ryan. And here to help me are two colleagues from Goodbye Kansas Studios, who both worked on the VFX production for season three of the series. VFX supervisor Jim Parsons and compositing lead Olof Samuelsson. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Jim, uh, you're one of the regulars here at Yellowbrook Road, so I assume our listeners already have a pretty good picture of who you are. But, but Olof, this is your first visit here. So let's start with that classic question. How did it all start? How did you end up in the VFX industry? Well, I think it's, um, it's a story like some other people, like in my situation, enjoying 
drawing and I enjoyed doing little flipbook animations and stuff as a kid. So um, I don't know. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I had a teacher who was suggesting I should go to art school. Um, and, um, you know, I, I was looking into traveling and stuff. So uh, I found a school in California that would, you know, focus on animation. Um, so I headed over there and um, tried a few different departments within art and stuff. Um, and then eventually I discovered VFX and um, I focused on compositing because I really enjoy seeing like everything coming together to the final, you know, final piece, so to speak. So, uh, so that's, that's pretty much it. I've been, you know, kind of traveling into a few different countries and building up my experience as well. So, yeah. And now you're based in Stockholm and you, Jim, are based in London. Great to have you here. We will talk about how some of the VFX for season three was made. But first, we need to look back, retracing the steps of Jack Ryan through popular culture. I mentioned uh, the hunt for Red October in the intro. And uh, so, so do you think Alec Baldwin was a good cast as Jack Ryan? Well, I mean, I have to say, you know, I might have said something differently when I was talking about Vigil. Uh, and we talked about submarines then. But I'd never actually seen The Hunt for Red October. I didn't, something didn't appeal oh. to, about it to me. It just found, sounded just not kind of very exciting. But I finally watched it the other week and it still wasn't <laughs> very interesting. I don't, don't know. I mean, John McTiernan, the director, you know, is at the height of his game and it's all, you know, tightly done. And Sean Connery's very Scottish for a Russian man. Um, but Alec Baldwin... I think it's an actor who kind of grew into himself once he found his kind of more comedy side when he was a bit older. I think it was very good. But he, he's just a little bit bland, maybe. I don't know. He's pretty young, pretty man. Um, uh, and, and he's fine, but you kind of can see why they didn't bring him back for the sequels. So. Oh. Have you seen it, Olaf? I have. And um, I actually saw it when I was really young. Um, so it's kind of... It's lingered with me throughout this time as one of the really great movies uh, from my childhood. Uh, but at that time, I didn't really connect him to being, um, you know, to, to the character Jack Ryan. Um, so I didn't know about the books or anything at that point. Um, but it, it's still one of my favorite movies. Uh, I rewatched it recently, and um, ah, and it still stood up. I think up. it holds up. Our it it holds up all right. But it could have to do with my you know childhood memories of it as well. So, uh, but I, I still quite enjoy that movie yeah. i sometimes don't dare to re-watch childhood favorites uh, because when i see them again i realize that they weren't good at all it does happen <laughs> but but i have sweet memories of, of hunt for red october though but that's mainly because of, of uh, uh, sean connery re-verify our range to target one ping only captain i i, I just give me a ping for silly one ping only please the next Jack Ryan on screen was Harrison Ford, first in Patriot Games in 92 and then Clear and Present Danger in 94. How was his version of Ryan, you think? Well, I mean, it's a whole different ball game. Harrison Ford, maybe he was a bit old uh, for, the, for the role, but, you know, Harrison Ford always brings his Harrison Ford A game and, uh, you know, just makes the whole thing more vital and exciting um, and uh, the plot of Patriot Games is ridiculous, uh, where it's kind of uh, kind of rogue IRA guys who were kind of trying to kill 
like some prince or duke or something uh, in London. And uh, Jack Ryan gets in the way, just he's on holiday and he gets in the way and just gets a gun and shoots the crap out of them and kills like the brother of the main <laughs> IRA guy. And But he, he just like uh, Harrison Ford is just so kind of like engaged and engaging and uh, just makes everything just that much more exciting. Uh, you know, this is uh, mm. Han Solo. This is uh, Indiana Jones. So, um, you know, just ups it, really. I mean, it didn't make as much money as the first one, but so it didn't all work out. But, um, uh, yeah, it was much better. He's much better. I will fucking destroy you. I will make it my mission in life. I mean, he, he's always Harrison Ford, isn't he? Whatever he plays. There well, is that, that, you know, apart not- from regarding Henry, maybe, where he plays, like, brain-damaged yeah, yeah, guy. Uh, other than that, he is pretty much Harrison Ford. But, you know, he's uh, no one's better at Harrison Ford than Harrison Ford. I don't have any secret. I'm, I guess I'm lucky genetically. Yeah, exactly. Pulls it off. Well, what do you think? Yeah, see, for me, I think it's kind of the opposite uh, from what we were talking about with uh, October, because this one, um, Clear and Present Danger, I saw fairly recently, and I did not feel it really has held up uh that well but it is probably because you know i'm i don't know it's something that it's it was kind of new to me and it feels very very like early 90s um but uh but yeah i mean like jim said it's harrison ford after all so i mean he is he's pretty good at carrying his movies so Mm. yeah the second the clear and present danger which was the second harrison ford one probably isn't as good as patriot games um you know, maybe everyone was just a little bit bored by that point. I don't know. But then, you know, Harrison Ford didn't come back for a third one. So, you know, maybe they'd all just had enough by that point. Maybe he got too old. But that hasn't stopped him from returning as Indiana Jones, though. Hell no. And he's going to be 80 next year. And then they've got a new one coming out, haven't they? So, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. How old is Jack Ryan in the novels, by the way? He's... um. Like he's a young CIA analyst. I mean, that's that's the kind of the whole uh, thing of it is that he's bookish and he works like you know behind the scenes and and like analyzing things. He's not a on the ground guy with the guns type things, or at least to start with. Uh, so yeah. I think he's quite young. I think he. I mean, I think Alec Baldwin probably is the right age for uh, in Hunt for the Red mm. October rather than Harrison Ford, who's about fifteen years older than him. So. Uh, the next Jack Ryan on screen was Ben Affleck in The Sum of All Fears. Okay. Um, I work for the CIA, and the director asked me at the last minute to come with him to Russia to do a nuclear arms inspection. What about his interpretation of Jack Ryan? I have no idea. Didn't see. Uh, you know, uh, again, it's with, I mean, without Harrison Ford, it was just like, mm, do, do we care? Um, uh, I, no idea. Not seen it. Who knows? Ben Affleck is like either he's brilliant or he's really bland. And when he's brilliant, mm. he's great. And I think, again, he's a bit like Alec Baldwin, where he's the pretty uh, handsome man looks have kind of, it's still there, but a bit more rugged and uh, better as he got older. So when was some of all fears? Fears 2002 or something like that? Uh, I'm saying this without even seeing it. So I don't know. I'm going to say he was all right. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Olaf, have you, have you seen it? I did. It's another one I saw not too long ago. Um, and I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's, I guess it's not as old, but it also feels like it's held up quite all right. Um, but I do agree. 
Affleck, I felt in this one was very quite bland, but he has a really good supporting cast like Morgan Freeman, for example. And I think all that plus like, uh, you know, kind of tense action and all that, it kind of kind of keeps the movie interesting. So, uh, so yeah, I felt it was quite all right. And doesn't it have a mighty nuclear explosion at some point in it as well? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And I think it looked really quite good for uh, for its age as well. So um, all the VFX and stuff in that one. And let's move forward 12 years to 2014 when a young Captain Kirk stepped into those CIA analyst shoes. Chris Pine in Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. This is quarterback. I have a situation. Somebody tried to kill me. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, <laughs> we're here, and all I'm doing is variously dissing leading actors who are hugely successful. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they, you know, they deserve all the credit that they get. Uh, I don't... Uh, uh, Chris Pine, I think, is fantastic in, in, in most things that he does. I, I just think mm. that the script was pretty... Not didn't serve him very well. And I had a look into this, and uh, Shadow Recruit was originally uh, another script which had been on the Hollywood blacklist, which they have every year. They have um, oh. these these scripts which haven't been made into movies, but uh, like there's like 10 of them, and they're like, these are really good. These should be made into movies, but they're not made into movies. And um, and Shadow Recruit was one of them, but it wasn't a Jack Ryan film. It, uh, it wasn't a Jack Ryan story. It was a totally different story, and they shoehorned in the Jack Ryan storyline into it to make it into a Jack Ryan film. Um, and I think it, that that kind of shows it doesn't have uh, one of um, Clancy's uh, plot lines at all in it. Uh, it's kind of forgettable. I didn't even remember that Kevin Costner was in it. Um, uh, and, uh, oh. and and Kenneth Branagh, uh, who directed it, again, he can be amazing. Uh, uh, you know, Richard uh. Richard V, not Richard V, <laughs> he can be amazing, like Henry V. Uh, and even the Thor movie I thought was he, that he did was really good. But then he can also do um, Shadow Recruit, and it can be a bit bland. The only bit actually where the film came to life was when the main baddie turned up, which was Kenneth Branner, and then he was he brought ah. his like brilliant acting to the forefront. But uh, I don't know. I think it was a bit cursed that film from the beginning by not actually being a Jack Ryan story. It sounds like that. Mm. Have you seen that one, Olaf? I good question. I think I saw it when it just came out, um, and I don't really have any memories of it uh, so so maybe it was a bit bland even you know at that time um but yeah so this one i can't really comment on it, it is a very forgettable film sadly yeah because I, I think i've seen it too but, but i can't remember the thing about it maybe at the end of it uh, they had a men in black bit where they just came on and pressed the button and wiped all our memories because <laughs> it was so bad they didn't want you to remember yeah maybe Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit kind of implies that they were thinking to launch a series of films, doesn't it? Sounds like that. Yeah, it was meant to be the first of a of a new franchise, um, and, and it even uh. has uh, Kevin Costner plays uh, another character from some other uh, Clancy um, novels, so that they could have spin-offs uh-huh. with, with uh, Kevin Costner, and then you could have you know Jack Ryan played by Chris Pine, and you'd have a whole universe of uh, of these films, mm-hmm. and no one saw it, and it, so it didn't happen. Jack Ryan universe. It didn't happen. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) But what did happen was that they launched the Jack Ryan TV series a few years later with John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. For a second there, I thought we lost you. Sorry to disappoint. And that's why we are here. Uh, because you worked on season three. Uh, Goodbye Kansas jumped on board delivering the effects already for season one, continued with season two, and uh, now season three. Uh, with you, Jim, as VFX supervisor, and you, Olaf, as compositing lead. But was this your first trip to Jack Ryan land, or did you work on the previous seasons as well? For me, it was the first time. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd watched the first season uh, and really enjoyed it. So when I, you know, when I was then going to join this uh, this show, I was really excited about it. So, um, uh, so yeah, first time for me. And you, Jim? Oh, um, I worked a tiny bit on the first season, but not uh, in any supervisory role. Um, I uh, put some blood on um, on a terrorist shirt on a few shots. That's all I did. I didn't work on the second season, uh, but uh, yeah, supervised on the third. So, so let's talk about season three. Um, how many shots did Goodbye Kansas deliver? Approximately um, about seventy, I think. But not a huge amount of shots, but some very heavy effects shots, some very intense work, uh, very detailed work. Um, so yeah, it, it was more about the quality than the quantity. Yeah, what, what kind of effects? Uh, there was a lot of water, and there was a lot of ships because a lot of this takes place uh-huh. uh, at at the high seas. Um, uh, I've worked on uh, a few water based um, projects recently, like Vigil, um, and um, they're quite a bit on Outlander as well and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think they thought, Hey, this, this is the, this is the team to, to work on it. If it's going to be watery based stuff, uh, uh, like in the, the first episode, um, there's a, an exciting scene where they have to go aboard this, um, this, this tanker and, uh, save someone by shooting a load of terrorists and then grabbing him and then getting him off on a dinghy. So, uh, it's all quite exciting, but where they shot it, they shot it in a harbour where the ship wasn't moving, but it's meant to be out at high seas. Mm. So um, uh, on that, most of it was about removing the harbour, making it look like a big you know, ocean in the background, uh, but then also replacing all of the water so that the water would be, with our CG water, which would be moving along. So it looks like it's all happening at high speed rather than like sitting in a dock where nothing is moving. Uh, That's, that does sound complicated. It was. Uh, and then uh, the, the other biggest thing that we worked on was uh, doing the Russian um, uh, battleship called the Fearless, um, which was completely a CG uh, model, uh, completely created from scratch by our team, uh, which was a huge amount of work to, to oh. get it looking uh, detailed, uh, realistic, but also kind of based on real ships, but also not completely. Um uh, so doing that ship was also a big thing. And there's battles involving the Americans versus the Russians launching missiles at each other. So lots of effects and lots of explosions, uh, lots of exciting stuff, really. Mm. And, and we had to get, but we had to get it looking just spot on because Jack Ryan is a, you know, a, 
uh, you know, for a kind of high stakes, actiony orientated espionage TV show, uh, there's it's grounded in realism, so that everything had to look really good. Our overall clients, led by supervisor Eric Henry, uh, you know, had very high standards, um, and you know, we had to we had to match them, and and we did, and we were very proud of our work. It was tough, but it was it was very yeah. much worth it. Is it harder to do like, like kind of realistic, gritty uh, scenes in a sense than fantastic ones? Um, in some ways, yes, because there is, um, you know, it has to look real. You know, with fantastical, crazy stuff, yeah. you know, there there is there is no kind of reference for it. Whereas the real stuff, no. people have got to look at it and not go, oh, look at that visual effect. They've got to look at it and go, oh, there's a ship in the sea or there's something blowing up and all, all that kind of stuff. So it's got to have a realism to it, which the eye of the audience has to be able to look at and go, oh. I didn't even think that was a visual effect. I mean, that was the aim that we were we were aiming for. I think we did it. Do you think, Ulof? I think so. Yeah, I think we uh, definitely. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's adding all this extra detail and everything, and like going into the little minute details and everything. I think really helped selling this, and uh, hopefully, the audience will, you know, be amazed as well. <clears throat> So, so if we return to that, those shots of, of the the big ship that didn't move, that was supposed to be at the high seas. Olaf, when you approach a shot like that, is it that that's like adding all sorts of different pieces together due to this final result? But what's the biggest challenge with that? I think this was to just because it's always difficult when it comes to like blending you know, for example, water sims or smoke and stuff like that, you know, that's CG created and blending that with what's in the plate already uh, and making that match and look good. And also this was a nighttime, which means you, in in a way, it could be forgiving because you can hide a lot in the darkness, but also it, it means that you do need to work in multiple exposures, check that everything is matching, whether you have, you know, if you, if you look at it on a brighter TV or something like that. Um, and also that all the highlights and everything matches and that. So I think it's, it's just getting this integration with the water, especially uh, to, to work. Um, it's, it's a very tricky bit. When I started in the TV industry and we edited things together, we always checked the final result at a very old TV monitor uh, at the TV house uh, um, and pretended that that was Granny's TV, Granny's telly, to see if it looked okay on Granny's TV, then it was okay to send up. <laughs> so so that exactly the things you're talking about, different lights and stuff like that. Uh, well, nowadays, they uh, they also do checks on iPads and, and uh, smartphones and stuff like that to see, uh, you know, yeah. What, what what the what the grades and everything looks like that on that as well. So, you know, mm. still do that kind of thing. Do, do you have a favorite shot from this season? And in that case, why? Uh, I, well, Olaf probably will might agree with me. Who knows? But there are two shots in episode seven uh, of a um, of the fearless ship at a dock, uh, at a Russian dock, a, a, a port, and they shot it at a port. But uh, with nothing there, it literally was they had a ladder going up, uh, a gangway going up to the ship and then a green screen, and a little platform. 
with some people standing at the top of it and nothing else there at all. And a pretty large, wide shot of the entire ship and being able to see the, the, the port behind with lots of other Russian uh, military ships in the background and also the whole port with the little lights of of, uh, of the buildings and stuff in the background. Um, there was these two shots in that. And one of them's just a big locked off wide. The other one follows this um, commander as he walks up to the, sh- to the ship and then goes up the gangway and onto the ship. And considering we started off with next to nothing, uh, it looked quite frankly, incredible. Uh, I think the team did an amazing work. The lighting team particularly really just really made things ping. Uh, but also because it's nighttime as well, there was lots of darkness to it, but the darkness had texture and depth to the bits of the ship that you could just about see. There was also digi doubles of extra men walking around on the, on the deck. Um, and, uh, you know, the clients loved it. Uh, they showed they, and they were showing it around to other people who were kind of cheering and clapping them and going, "Look at the work that's been done! It's amazing." Uh, you know, uh, it was wow. it was really good. Uh, and and to the extent that, and I've never had this before. Once the project was all finished, the uh, Eric um, they called us up and wanted to thank us personally for the work that we'd done and how happy he was with the work he'd, he'd done. We never get that. We might occasionally get an email saying, oh, well done. But actually getting them to call up and just say, really, really happy with your work. Uh, uh, you know, it's a testament to the to the team. You know, I mean, you know, okay, I'm supervising, but, you know, it's Ulov and uh, and all the rest of them have just, just really knocked it out of the park and um, did a fantastic work, really. So I'm very proud of that. But all of it, that's great. Yeah, that must be a lovely feeling. Yeah, it's really good. You really have a. You're really good at selling shots. I really feel now that I need to see this shot. It sounds amazing. It is amazing. Olaf, is that your favorite shot as well, or shots? Or do we have another? I, I think so. I mean, there's I there's such a big variety of shots, which so I have like you know there is more than one I'd say, but I do. I think that was going to be my favorite one as well because I just. This is one of the things that, like I mentioned earlier, as being a compositor, it has all these elements that has to come together. You have the filmed plate with the actors, you know, you have the CG, CG ships and the FX and, you know, FX water, and you have a DMP background and it all has to come together and kind of blend seamlessly. And, um, and, uh, you know, that's hopefully that's, that's what we, you know, came out with from this. And, uh, I think that's, you know, that's just. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, um, so the effects you do, uh, you want them to look totally real. So, so you don't want people to realize that they're looking at, at an effect, obviously, uh, what we call invisible effects. Isn't that sometimes frustrating? Uh, when, well, I worked on this series. Well, did what? Kind of like when people can't see what you've done in a sense. Or is part of the magic that you fool people to believe it's reality? It's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it, really? Uh, it's all about, yeah. you know, creating magic and whether it's visible magic or whether it's stuff that they don't even know about. Yeah, sure. Sometimes it'd be great for them to say, hey, look, I really like that dragon that was flying around. Uh, in the, That was really good. But um, I'm quite happy for them to not know you know or so afterwards they go yeah. hey look at that effect you know and then they go oh what i didn't even realize there was one so you know not that i can go around to everyone who's watching jack ryan and tell them but <laughs> <laughs> no but in this case i mean it could have been a, a real uh, ship 
but but if it's like a dragon flying around, you know that that dragons don't exist. Yeah, exactly. What what was the most rewarding with this project as a whole? You think the greatest moment then? Well, apart from when Eric called us up and thanked us, which was one of the great moments, um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed because uh, 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 I'm in London, the London office, obviously, and and on the London side, it was just uh, myself and Katie Brown uh, producing, uh, but everybody else was uh, from the Stockholm team. I just really liked working with everyone there. Um, I, I'm not just saying that. Um, it was uh, it was just really good fun. Uh, I mean, it, sometimes people got shuffled around because it, it was quite a long uh, project. So it was a shame that some people didn't start from beginning to end. But Ulov was there right from the beginning to the to the very end, uh, and it was a pleasure working with with uh, such lovely artists, really, uh, who just did some really really spectacular work. That's not to say that the London lot can't. I'm not saying that. Oh no, but uh, you know, but it's really nice to see uh, another team, you know, uh, and the, and the work that they can bring forward to to the projects, uh, which was great work. So, yeah, I mean, I'd have to say the same thing. The, the team, um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier as well, the shots. There was a big variety of of different shots um, that made it really, really interesting throughout this entire project, but. But yeah, the team and I felt like everyone felt really engaged in this, and and they really like to, you know, kind of own their work and uh, uh, and yeah, it was just a very positive uh, feeling, and everyone wanted to take this as far as we possibly could. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I really enjoyed the most of this. And apparently, you made a great job since he called and thank you. Uh, last but not least, though. Who is your favorite among the on-screen Jack Ryans then, and why? Well, I mean, you know, as much as I love Harrison Ford, I see you already know. Um, uh, I think, yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I think as a representative of the original character, John Krasinski probably is the best because, like I said, he is the the character with someone who isn't a gung ho guy. He is a man who thinks with his brain. Um, and you know, by casting, uh, someone like that, he literally is from the office, you know, the, the old TV show. My job is to speak to clients, um, on the phone about, uh, quantities and, uh, type of copier paper. So, yeah, exactly. you know, you think this is a man who, who has sat behind the desk. I know it's not the same character, but, but by casting him, you yeah. know, it, it just seems like the right kind of person. But, and obviously he has developed as an actor and, you know, proved himself time and time again since, uh, since the office. But, um, you know, so I'm not saying he's like Jim or the character was called, but, uh, you know, he's got that background. So you think, yeah, this is a guy who is, uh, who is a thinker and, a, and, a, and, uh, not someone who just goes in guns blazing, although he also goes in with guns blazing. But I, I think he is the perfect cast for it. I think, and it's shown that in the first two seasons that we, we've seen on TV that, that, you know, uh, it works perfectly for the character and it drives the story forward, uh, really well. Um, and hopefully the third season's going to do the same. Yeah, I I agree, John Krasinski as well, because to me he he is Jack Ryan. Because like I said, like with Hunt for Red October, um, he was a guy called Ryan. I I didn't really connect him to this universe, and I'm not well versed in the books. Um, so for me, like the the TV show is what you know when I really connected the Jack Ryan character and all this. Um, 
and uh, yeah he i think he does a really good job um you know have, having evolved from the office and works surprisingly well i know you know a lot of people i spoke to they're like the guy from the office in an action role like this how is that gonna work and i think it works surprisingly well maybe that helps as well that you know you you have a certain form of expectations and then what you see is like oh this is actually really good this really works so yeah yeah it is it is let's hope for new fun adventures with jack schrein then uh and that you will work on coming seasons as well uh many thanks for coming here and talking about jack right thank, thank, thank you yeah it was cool. a pleasure to have you here And you out there, thanks for listening. Uh, don't hesitate to contact us if you have questions or ideas about what we should talk about here at Yellow Birky Road. Until next time, goodbye, à bientôt, à bientôt, à bientôt, à bientôt.